Judge podcast. It's the week 10 NFL mainly preview, brief review as we record here on a beautiful Friday afternoon. We got rid of the muck, as I have to say. We drained the swamp. It's only myself and Tommy Murray on the line. And Tommy, on my way, I, I saved this from the pre-show meeting just to get a, an organic reaction out of you. Stopped at stopped at 7-Eleven. Got myself a Dello for this beautiful Friday afternoon. It's been a week. It's, it's been a week. It's been indeed. a week. I, I did so, I did pretty well on some assignments. Well deserved. Did you know? Figured out some club football stuff. Yep. We're four and zero. That's that's you know. It's just a nice Dello for the podcast as I record here at two fifteen in the afternoon. Your day's not done, but you know you're getting to the point where you can start to wind down a little bit. You're still going to remain your facilities for this podcast for potential calls you're going to have to jump on. You're uh, you're a working man. You got it down to a science now. We don't call you two Dello for uh, for no reason. Yeah, that's that's that is for sure. And I, I thought about getting two Dellos, but I was I'll get the tall boy. It's you know double yeah, double on. the fun. Ec- more economical. Come on, you're you're a man of schooling. Let's uh, quickly review as we do in this preview. Last night, Raiders eke one out against the Chargers. Is Daniel Carlson still on the team? Did they? Does it, did he show up to the facility and his key card didn't work? <laughs> I feel like that could have been a situation this morning for him. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, a real rough showing. Um, that, that, I didn't really have a strong read on the game before. I picked the Raiders in our pick just because they, I trust their coaching staff more, and they are they just have been consistently overperforming throughout the whole year. And John Gruden is, is coaching a good offense, I think. This defense is overperforming, and they're just kind of a tough out. And I really think that they're kind of playing for Oakland. This is obviously their last year in there. And, they, you know, if we were talking a couple weeks ago about potential, you know, six seeds in the AFC, and, and I mentioned the Browns and even the Chargers, this really is shaped up to be a, a, the Raiders have the best chance, I think, to be that uh, second wild card team. The Raiders definitely throw an interesting wrench into that. AFC playoff picture because you have teams like the Colts, like the Texans. Mm-hmm. One of those teams doesn't get that automatic bid in the AFC South. And there's even even look at the Jags. They just got Nick Foles back. The Titans, uh, they lost last week, and they're probably out of the picture. But you never know with them. Yeah. They're still somewhat in the picture there. So the Raiders kind of hanging around here, especially with the Bills sitting behind the Pats. Uh, it gets really interesting when you start to look at the bottom half of that uh, if you look at that wild card race in the AFC playoff picture, as far as the Chargers go, it was it's officially draft season now for them. Uh, they had an impressive showing against the Packers, which I think we'll talk maybe a little bit more when we get to the Packers game this week. But um, they just Philip Rivers, I don't think uh, has it anymore. He doesn't threaten anybody with his legs, and I think that's a very big issue. You don't have to be the most athletic guy in the world, but unless you have precision passing ability and the absolute football acumen like guys um, like Tom Brady and Drew Brees have who make very minimal mistakes, you're not going to be successful as a pure pocket passer in the NFL. You need to have some sort of scrambling ability to at least keep the defense on their toes so much. Phillip Rivers can't move outside the pocket, and he makes too many mistakes. He threw... Basically four interceptions in the first half of yep. this game. Two of them were reversed on penalties, or I don't know what the deal with the Carl Joseph one was. I don't know if he was out yep. of bounds. I wasn't following um, too closely in the first quarter, but it was. I think it was a pass interference. If I something was, like that. There's two that I think were, were negated a penalty. Yeah. So he, 
and, and both of the interceptions that he threw that stood, one got taken back for a touchdown, the other one was returned about 59 yards. So it's yeah. not like he's throwing these on third and 18s and they're glorified punts or anything. These are huge turnovers that are directly affecting his team. Even then, they're still up in the fourth quarter and the Raiders drive down and score on them. So yep. this is a team that, despite all the the ways they tried to shoot themselves in the foot, still found themselves up in the fourth quarter and ended up losing. I think the Raiders are a good team, man. Their offensive line is, is very underrated. I think t- people are starting to come around and give them the respect that they deserve. They don't go backwards very much. I saw some stat about they have some of the least negative yardage plays in the NFL this year and also the lowest average uh, third down to go yardage in the NFL as well. So the offense is is really effective. I feel especially too with them heading into this offseason, they're going to get a really high pick from the Bears. They can potentially get another defensive stud. I know Cleveland Farrell hasn't exactly been what they thought he was, but it's still early in his career. And Max Crosby looks like a really good player as well. So the Raiders are a team for me that definitely are trending up and a team that I could easily see putting themselves in the playoffs. Yeah, and I just wanted to, I mean, Clue and Farrell, there's Josh Allen. I mean, clearly the fact that Josh Allen went, you know, right after him too, or three picks, whatever it was after him, that kind of shows, and even Brian Burns, and, and uh, he's really the only first-round defensive line rookie, and he's kind of been the worst of all of them. But other than Clue and Farrell, like, like you said, Adam, it's still as young in his career. The guy we always kind of, I think both you and me thought of him as kind of a high-floor guy who, you know, and we, we haven't seen that necessarily, but I still think that, you know, the, the, the book has not been written on him yet. But all the other moves that they made, man, uh, in the draft and in free agency, bringing in a guy like Trent Brown, bringing in Tyrell Williams, uh, they just didn't really make a lot of mistakes. They kind of knew what they were going for and, and, you know, the holes they needed to plug to make this team kind of competitive. And I got to give props to, to Gruden, who I think is, is just coaching a really good offense right now. And, and like I, you know, I'm repeating myself now, but this team is just kind of overperforming, exceeding all of our expectations, especially, you know, losing Antonio Brown and not really having a lot of pieces on paper, but shout out Josh Jacobs is too, too, as well. I mean, that guy is, is really, is really playing well and has got me sweating my Kyler offensive rookie of the year ticket a little bit. I, it seems like he's the, the favorite in the, the clubhouse right now, but this team, yeah, it's just impressive what they're doing. And, uh, yeah, I just completely agree with everything you said. Oh, and also Colton Miller, man, after playing really bad last year, has looked really good in year two. He looked good against – he was, had some reps against Bosa last night that I saw, and he was kind of holding his own. So that's obviously encouraging to see, and, and the future is bright in Las Vegas. <laughs> that's true. And uh, also just to wrap that up, bang, uh, the Bengals and Jets next two weeks for the Raiders. So oh. they still have the Chiefs twice. They haven't played the Chiefs yet, but Bengals and Jets next two weeks, those should be two wins for them. So we'll see what happens. But let's get into the rest of the Week 10 slate, starting off with the battle for New York. Giants at Jets, a pretty hapless matchup. Don't have to spend too much time here. Technically a home game for the Jets, but who knows? Maybe both teams will be booing their respective teams. This one I have no idea really what to say. Other than that, I guess I'll pick the Giants because the Jets really just seem like an absolute disaster right now after giving so many people a little glimpse of hope after that Cowboys game that maybe, hey, they'll go on a run or at least maybe we'll see some good games from Darnold and Gase that we can take into next year. We got screwed with the mono thing. It's absolute opposite of that, and Gase is even potentially on the hot seat. So I'm picking the Giants here. Not too much else to say. These are two non-factor teams for the rest of the season. Yeah, I'll make it quick as well. As a guy who's been back in the Jets for a while, I, I, there's no reason for me to p- to pick the Jets. I mean, I just kind of kept to continue to fade them 
until they show anything because, I mean, last week they were completely outclassed by the Dolphins. Um, I, I mean, I think I talked about it last week a little bit. I think Darnold deserves a little bit of the blame. He's not making the best decisions with the football, but he just he doesn't have a lot of great – Jameson Crowder is really his number one option. The offensive line is awful. The defense is completely undisciplined and just isn't really playing well. Uh, you know, the penalties they take, I really thought that they were going to be a little bit stingy, but they're just kind of – they're. The team is just lost, man. They're completely underperforming, and I don't think – I mean, Gase 100% should be on the hot seat. And Got to think uh, Greg Williams is going to skip town for one of those HC gigs he was offered. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He's just the – whole, the whole thing just reeks of something that needs to be blown up, and you got to start to think about what is this going to do to Darnold's career and his career track. I think that he's a mentally tough kid, and, and I really you know, have always believed in his intangibles, but I will, I'll be really surprised if Adam Gase is the head coach next year, and, and this – Coaching staff is the same. They already have had the the change up in the uh, the front office with the uh, from Douglas coming in from Philadelphia, and they have a mix and match of personnel. He didn't make the the coaching hiring. It's just the whole you know organization is a little bit of disarray. So I have and the Giants on the other hand, I think are kind of presenting a little bit higher of a floor, and they kind of have a little bit more of an identity uh, and seem to be playing. They were stingy in that Cowboys game a little bit. So uh, yeah, I'm with you, Clip. I'm taking the Giants as well. The shine is a little bit off of Daniel Jones, too, which has been yeah. interesting to watch. I don't know. I think Pat Shermer also needs, is a guy that needs to go. I wouldn't be shocked if both of these teams have head coaching vacancies uh, after the end of the season. Uh, I totally agree. Falcons at Saints. Saints will probably beat the crap out of Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. They, they kind of have to, too. I mean, if they want to keep up with the 49ers and, and, and get a bye – uh, they can't. I, I and they play the 49ers in two weeks. I think I was looking at their schedules, um, so that's going to be an awesome game in New Orleans. Uh, so they need to keep pace with the ex- with the expectation that they're going to beat San Francisco when they come, uh, you know, into New Orleans and lock up that number one seed. So I, I'm with you. I, the, the Falcons just, I mean, they're 13 and a half point dogs. Maybe they'll cover that, but this I expect the Saints to kind of walk all over them. The only angle that the Falcons have really is the familiarity in, inside the division. Uh, there's not a lot of positive factors tugging their way, so an easy pick for me as well. I'm, I'm riding the Saints at home. Falcons, off the bye, yeah, too. Yeah, coming off the bye, maybe they figured some stuff out, huh? Yeah, oh yeah, they're both off the bye. But yeah, no, they haven't figured anything <laughs> out. Pete, Sean Payton will not be taking it easy on Dan Quinn. There, there's no familiarity there, so... That was the uh, angle from Seattle. The Chiefs are heading to Tennessee to play the Titans. This is a game where Mahomes is back as well, but I was kind of thinking to myself, if I'm Andy Reid, I would have played Matt Moore still because he's been plenty effective. Obviously, he's no uh, Patrick Mahomes, but I don't really think Mm -hmm. you need Mahomes to beat the Titans. But I guess if he's ready to go, you know, just throw him back in there. Um, Even treat this as a a warm-up game this week because you got to go play a divisional game next week against the Chargers. So... I, I'm definitely picking the Chiefs again here. I know Dolan smashed the line uh, once the news came out about Mahomes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if uh, the Vegas might revoke that one, but we'll we'll, uh, we'll see. I think the Chiefs will just roll here, though. The Titans really did not put much of a fight up in, in Carolina last week. So they're just a team that much, even like less than the Lions, I, I kind of, but I view them in the same sort of category, like the Lions, Bears, and the Titans Teams that can sometimes surprise you with a win, but I don't. I don't see anything magical happening in Tennessee this week. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm on the Chiefs as well, and I don't necessarily expect the line to change just because I kind of was expecting Mahomes to play all week, and I think 
it kind of would have been surprising if he if he wasn't going to play. I mean, for what it's worth, we saw him on those you know, that B roll and, and the last games of him running around, and it looked like his knee wasn't really hobbling him as much as you might have thought. B roll, big um, big journal, uh, big journal word. Oh, yeah. there. Are you taking some classes oh, or yeah. something? You, you, no, 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 it's it's a film term. There's some there's some crossover. We we do the same thing. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm with the Chiefs as well. Um, I have full confidence that Mahomes. I don't think they're taking any risks. I would assume that he's fully healthy because, like you said, Adam, if if he gets a little, I mean, he's been dealing with injuries this whole year. He's had that ankle, you know, and and, and then his hip and then his knee. So I I'm expecting him to be fully healthy and and you know not getting a nagging little injury in this game and it in a game that I'm not going to say they don't need to win because I think that they're trying to fight for that two seed too and they're kind of in competition with Baltimore and. Um, they obviously still need wins, but I, I tend to agree with you that even with Matt Moore, they probably would be able to eke this out. But yeah, with Mahomes, the more the merrier. Uh, I probably will be betting them as well, uh, all Chiefs. The Ravens travel to the, now in the driver's seat, winless Cincinnati Bengals in the in the driver's seat for that number one overall pick. And it's the beginning of the Ryan Finley era, one of uh, Lee's sleeper quarterbacks. From Yeah, Lee's uh, a big it, fan. Yeah, it, from his... Uh, Series on the back judge during draft season. We'll see what happens here. It's a tough task starting off against a Ravens team that's pretty hot and will likely put up some points against this Bengals defense. I don't, I don't think this Baltimore train is coming to to a stop anytime soon. Big momentum win against the Patriots. This team, think kind of knows what they're about right now and is hitting their stride almost in Week Ten. So. Could the Bengals maybe make it closer in the AFC North battle? I guess in the same lens that we looked at that Falcon Saints game, maybe. But mm-hmm. at the at the end of the day, they're they're still winless, and the Ravens just beat the Pats. So, yeah, I mean, it could potentially be a little bit of a letdown spot from the Ravens after you know they came out of the bye and really wanted to get that win against New England as they should have. And I believe Cincinnati's coming off the bye as well. Harbaugh's Harbaugh's a good coach, though. I don't think he, he is that happen. You and know? and a big take just to talk on that Ravens Patriots game real quick. I mean, my whole analysis of that game was like oh Belichick's just going to take away Lamar Jackson's ability to run and he's gonna have to beat him with his arm and that just didn't happen uh they didn't they they couldn't it looked like they really couldn't take away Lamar Jackson's ability to run and we could just be looking at a a new kind of precedent with the NFL and in this kind of college style offense with Lamar Jackson and, and barring an injury that would happen to him this guy is just pretty dynamic and remarkable and and you know with what he's able to do with that Russian attack. And we kind of saw glimpses of it last year, but they really have kind of fine-tuned and, and, and are really efficient right now. And Mark Ingram is playing great as, as that lead-back role. And Lamar is just completely sublime back there, man. I mean, some the stuff that he did in, where he dropped back and, and literally juked like three dudes, that and he's just going at a different pace. I've, I've Never really seen it. It looks like it did when he was at Louisville, just the, the amount of ease that he plays the game with. Um, from the Cincinnati angle, I liked Ryan Finley in the in the draft process, not as much as Lee maybe, but from a guy that was really big on Kelvin Harmon and even Jacoby Myers. Ryan Finley's a guy who, who throws with accuracy and I think kind of has a, a little bit of a higher floor as an NFL quarterback. Not really is going to blow you out of the water, but I think if he can play within the system and Zach call, Taylor can call a good game, uh, I definitely... I have more faith in the Bengals beating the Ravens, I think, than I do the Falcons beating the Saints, I guess. I just think that the Bengals, you know, yeah, I guess they're trying to go for the first pick, but maybe this is some wins pool bias. Maybe they can they can eke out a win for me, even though I'm pretty much dead in the water. But 
It's de- I'm definitely interested to see what Ryan Finley is going to do. I, I am interested in this game, and I'm also interested to see how the Ravens are going to you know, react coming off that huge win, but I'm not going to pick the Bengals, I guess. So I, I do expect the Ravens to win, maybe closer than the 10-point uh, spread. Mark Ingram's been a big uh, addition for them, too, for sure. Uh, huge. So he, He's just, I mean, he's pretty remarkable, man, how he's kind of just been... He's just hung around his whole and kind of got, started off slow as a first-round pick and has really carved out a really nice career for him. So just a great pickup by the Ravens and another team that had a really good offseason. Let's go to Cleveland, where the sky is really yes, absolutely sir. falling after that Denver loss. Now, I mean, the, any hope that anybody had, not that this podcast was really tooting that horn, but any hope of a late-season run from them where they figured it all out against some lesser opponents seems... Dead and gone. This team doesn't really seem like it's imploding at all. Like it meaning like dramatically from the inside. You don't hear a ton of stuff coming out about people upset. You just kind of can tell that they have no mojo. All of the swag that they had going in the offseason has just been completely obliterated. They have no identity on offense. Baker can't stop turning the ball over. I think this is just another instance where the Bills, again, they're not going to blow the doors off of anybody, but at the end of the day, they're just too good of a defense to really to lose this one. It is in Cleveland, but again, as you get late into the season with these teams like the Browns and the Bears where they had high expectations and are now vastly underperforming, that's not necessarily an advantage anymore. Yeah, definitely. I just think the, the Bills, like you said, this defense I think is going to be too good for a Cleveland offense that, like you said, has no identity. Baker Mayfield has trouble uh, you know, not turning the ball over. This offensive line isn't good. And I mean, another big takeaway for me, I mean, I, I'll, I'll, you know, grant some of the Odell is overrated argument, but he played great, I think, in the Denver game for only having, I think he had six targets, five catches, and, and really was making things happen after the catch. And it, they're criminally underusing him. And they, they went and basically traded, I mean, if you count Olivier Vernon, they, they traded Zeitler, they they wanted to remake this this offense and give Baker another uh, weapon. And Freddie Kitchens, who's a guy who was known for his offensive acumen for whatever that's worth, uh, they're just not getting him the ball. And and I, you need to see what Odell is made of and and really utilize his talent because it's not right now the the first round pick they gave up for him is just really not worth it. So uh, I'm with you, Clep. I'm I'm on the Bills. Uh, I will be betting on them as underdogs this week in Cleveland. The only angle for me with Cleveland is. Maybe now that they are at rock bottom, they have nothing to lose and can kind of beat a, a vanilla Bills team, who I think is fraudulent despite the fact that they will be in the playoffs, I think, and, um, you know, are kind of – I do think they're a bit fraudulent, but the Browns are even more fraudulent, and, and the Bills uh, are going to be able to run the ball with Allen and Singletary and, and should just methodically beat this uh, Yeah, they, 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 they finally fed Singletary last week. They gave yep. him the amount of carries that I think he's kind of deserved all year. Um, and you saw the results. He was he was very very effective. So that that was really good to see, especially for my struggling struggling fantasy team. Another NFC matchup this week. That uh, again, two teams that are now somewhat out of it as we get this late in the season. The Cardinals and Buccaneers. Two teams I almost see someone in the same light. Just have the potential to pop off kind of any week, but just seem deeply flawed in in other areas. The Cardinals, too, after getting hot, they've kind of struggled against a better team such as the Saints. So, I, I don't know. I mean, they played last week against the, the 49ers on Thursday night and, and battled a little bit, but ultimately weren't able to pull it off. 
I, I just feel like I'm going to go with the Bucks here with the Cardinals traveling across the country. But again, a game that I wouldn't bet on or a game that I'm not feeling too strong either way about. Yeah, Klepp, I'm with you, man. Um, these teams are kind of similar, I think, uh, except Arians has kind of let it fly a little bit more than Kingsbury. I think Kingsbury might go for a couple too many field goals in this game where the Buccaneers are just kind of going for it on fourth down, playing with nothing to lose, and and Jameis is going to be hucking that ball all, all over. Um, I'd love to see the Cardinals kind of, their offense, be able to keep up with, with Tampa Bay's, but I feel like Tampa Bay right now, um, Tampa Bay might be the second best team in the NFC South, I think. I mean, I think if I'm the Saints, like, you know. <laughs> I think that's a little I, disrespectful to the, the Panthers, team. man. I, I mean, you're probably right, but if I'm a team like the Saints, I just would be more comfortable playing the Falcons or the Panthers than I would Tampa, just because I think Tampa's offense can explode. Um, their passing defense isn't good, but their rush defense is is pretty good. I don't know. I mean, we can, we'll, we'll get into the Panthers when we get to Green Bay, but I, I do like Tampa here, and they've they've just. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they lose this game in the last like two minutes, like they have against you know uh, Seattle, I guess a little bit in, in New York. But this is a Bucks team that uh, you know is is playing relatively well, and and Jameis is kind of he's playing the best that Jameis can play with the, the turnover quality plays that he's making and maybe this is a little Bruce Arians revenge game going with his uh, his former team coming into Tampa potentially <laughs> even though he left low, for health pretty reasons. low octane uh, re- revenge game going on there but yeah definitely uh, let's move on to the NFC North gutter battle between the Lions and the Bears uh, briefly, just to touch on the Bears, they're, it's all, I mean, it's been touched on by pretty much anybody with an NFL Twitter account, but their incompetent performance in the first half of last week's game at Philadelphia, 20 plays, 9 total yards. I, I'm not a huge barstool guy, but I saw a thing from Big Cat that seven teams had more yards on their first play from scrimmage than the Bears did in the first half. And, and so... Uh, it's, things are pretty, pretty bad in Chicago. And it's almost, for me, a game where if you're the Lions and you're a Lions fan or in the Lions organization, you look at your defense and say, I know that this unit has been horrible this year, but if they can't get right against this Bears team, then it's really time to panic. And then if you look on the other side of the coin, if you're the Bears or in the Bears organization, you're saying, okay, our offense has been trash this year. Trubisky probably isn't the answer. But if we can't get things right against this Lions defense, then it is really, really time to panic and blow it all up. So it's going to be a battle of, of the worsts there on that side of the ball. And on the other side, I think the Lions have the advantage on offense versus the Bears defense. The Bears have really struggled to stop the run, especially just right up the middle since Akeem Hicks has, has left. <coughs> Excuse me, Leonard Floyd has has flashed a little bit. But but as far as other pass rushing options other than Mac, when they double team him, uh, they don't really have any. And and Eddie Jackson as well hasn't really played uh, up to the level that he did last year, which is obviously a high bar to clear. But he hasn't even really made any splash plays at all. So th- this defense is is definitely good, but still it seems to be also deflated by the incompetence of the offense. So I, I like the Lions in this one just because I think. They have the best unit in the in the game. They have the best players in the game in terms of offensive skill positions. So I'm going with Detroit here, but I also don't feel super confident and also won't be 
ringing in the bells of hope if the Lions pull one off here. Yeah, this is a really I, – I really liked what you said about uh, the, the Lions defense going up against the Bears offense and, you know, vice versa with the Bears offense going up against the Lions defense. And I'll take that a step further and kind of – this is a spot for Nagy and Patricia who have both are off – you know, Nagy is an offensive mind, Patricia is a defensive mind, and both of their respective, you know, areas of expertise, they've, they've fallen, you know, short this year. And, and Nagy has obviously made some questionable calls that we've talked about throughout the year and – Patricia, who is they're all the Lions offense is playing great. Stafford's playing the great the, the best, you know, ball of his career right now. And I just think this is kind of a reflection. This defense is a little bit of a reflection on the Lions front office and their coaching. And we've talked about it. We've talked about the the decision to take Hawkinson over a guy like Devin Bush or Ed Oliver or, you know, whoever you want. Um so I, I definitely think that this is gonna be a telling this is going to be a telling game for for you know the defensive and offensive units of, of both of these teams, and but I I'm with you, Clep. I I do think that the Lions really should win this game due to their offense and due to the fact that the Bears have really regressed uh, compared to last year with the turnovers and they're not getting those turnovers that really propelled their team to a lot of wins last year. And Stafford's playing the best ball of his career. I really hope the Lions like. I mean, you touched upon the fact that the Bears have had struggle with the run, but. I just think the Lions are a much better team when they're kind of hucking it out. I mean, obviously you have to establish a run to a certain extent, but I just think you really just got to let Stafford utilize Godelay, uh, Galladay and, and Jones and Hawkinson, Amendola, their weapons. I think they have really nice weapons, um, and I just don't like this matchup for, for the Bears, really. Uh, and I, despite the fact that the Lions defense hasn't played well, Trubisky isn't, isn't good, and and. You know, I just think the Lions are a little bit too frisky for them. I do think it's going to be interesting to see the Bears at Soldier and them in some weather, how they're going to be able to perform in that, um, you know, being in Oakland last week and, and playing in the Dome. So I think that's a little bit of an angle that could that could favor the Bears with the home field advantage and a bit of a weather advantage. But the Lions really should win this game. Yeah. And again, though, either team that wins shouldn't necessarily feel good about winning and no fan should think the season is saved or no Trubisky yeah. truthers should be vindicated with a, with a decent 250 yards and two touchdown performance from Mitch. Yep. Let's go to Miami heading up to Indianapolis. I'm happy that the Dolphins got a win because the ineptitude that they showed at the beginning of the season isn't, I don't think exactly what this team is. They had fought a few close games uh, in the middle weeks of the year. And just to get that win last week, I think shows that, there are some things to, to feel good about some players. Uh, there's a lot of reports obviously coming out even before the season that if they trade Tunsil, they're going to lose the locker room. And I think you've seen them trade away. I mean, they've traded away huge pieces, Tunsil, Drake, and Minka, and this team is still coming together and fighting. So I think it, it shows something for Brian Flores, not that it's anything to really hang a hat on, but it, it's not an absolute implosion of ineptitude and team guys not caring. So... Uh, that's positive to see. I think it comes also from a guy like Ryan, Fit, Ryan Fitzpatrick in that locker room. Uh, I know he's not, uh, you know, the Drew Brees, Tom Brady level of leader, but he's a guy that is, at least, you know, with the way he plays the game, guys want to play with him. So yep. I, I don't think that should be discounted. At the end of the day, I think the Colts uh, come out victorious here. And I think Jacoby Brissett is going to play after that knee injury, which was uh, pretty scary. He is, really? Yeah. I I, I, heard oh, he, wow. I heard he was practicing, so I don't know if he's I don't know what the that, official statement is on that, but that's big for them. Yeah, that is huge because if Hoyer is indeed playing, I think that is 
I mean, Brissett has played really well. It should still be a win, no matter who. It definitely should. It definitely should. Um, But Hoy, I mean, as someone who was back in the Colts last week, they, I'm, I mean, it's a shame that Lee isn't on right now to defend his defend his Steelers. Maybe you can play the part for him. But I thought the Colts thoroughly outplayed him last week, and it was heartbreaking to see Adam Venatieri uh, shank that field goal, and even more heartbreaking that Rigoberto Sanchez couldn't get those laces out. Um, But you're you're right. I mean, the the Colts should win this game. Uh, I'm expecting them to win this game. Uh, I really like Brian Flores, man. I, I like him a lot. I, I like what he's doing down there. He seems like a, a true uh, no BS CEO. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, Fitzpatrick, he's, he's a guy that his teammates want to play for. He's a guy that is never going to be out of it. He's always going to be slinging that rock around and, and making high-risk, high-reward throws. Um Devontae Parker, your boy, Adam, is, is starting to show up. I've, I've, he's had a touchdown, <laughs> I think, in each of the last three or four games. Better late than never. With, uh, exactly. Now it fits out. I think, you know, yeah, there's not much more to say. I, I'm going to stay away from it. The Colts are 11-point favorites. I think that might be a little too too rich, uh, especially if Hoyer's playing. But uh, the Colts really deserve this. I mean, the Colts really need to win this game if they want to keep up in the AFC South. And, and the Dolphins need to lose this game if they want to, you know, keep up in, in the tankathon. So, Colts, Colts for me as well. Panthers visiting Green Bay, and if you asked me maybe last week who I would predict to win this game, I'd say Packers easily, but after the showing that they produced uh, out in L.A. at the StubHub Center and with where the Panthers have been able to battle and fight with Kyle Allen and also no distractions of if Cam Newton's going to come back or not, it's, it's Allen the rest of the way here in Carolina. If it was in Carolina, I think I would hesitate a little more. But ultimately, I'm I'm just going to go with Green Bay on a little bit of a bounce back again. The Panthers, for some reason, I just haven't caught a ton of, a ton of their games. I think I'll probably end up watching this one just because they're playing uh, the NFC North Packers and the Bears and Lions play early. So kind of looking forward to getting a, a little bit of my first taste of, of this team. I know I've, I've seen some McCaffrey highlights and stuff, but I don't have a great feel for them uh, totally yet. So... This is definitely a game in the afternoon I may just uh, focus on, at least for the first half before the other games get tight. Yeah, especially, I mean, the Dolphins and Colts is the other one. And then uh, between this and the Rams and Steelers, I think this is going to be some nice view, a nice viewing experience. Um, and as someone who, you know, I've, I think I've had a nice handicap kind of on the Panthers throughout the year. I, they have a good defense. They have Christian McCaffrey who's playing at an MVP level. Um, and Kyle Allen, for the most part, is a, a game manager who doesn't turn the ball over and, and will keep them in games. Um, I mean, maybe if the Packers lost last week, this could be a nice spot for the Panthers to win. But I just think the Packers really need, after just completely no-showing last week in L.A., um, this is a, a prime ba- bounce-back spot for them and their offense, their, their whole team, really, against a Panthers team who I think, as we saw in San Francisco, um, when, they're, when they're matched up against a team that is better than them, you kind of can see their downfalls, especially at the quarterback position. And unless we get a you know an all-world effort from the Packer, I mean the the Panthers defense, and and you know a similarly awful effort from the Packers defense, I think that the Packers really should should win this game with with relative ease. And this I could see this kind of being a uh, a double-digit win for the Packers. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, again, I'm I'm just going to stick with the Packers to to get right here at home against a, a Panthers team that at the end of the day has an undrafted player at quarterback for yeah. them. So whenever you get Rodgers, you just kind of have to roll with it. 
Well, and, and from the Panther side, I mean, they're they're in the playoff mix still, so they have every reason to you know to be competitive. And like you said, Cam Newton's out for the year now, so that potential distraction is gone. So, I mean, maybe I should be giving the Panthers a little bit more credit, but I just think it, this really more. I, I tried to give what, the Panthers credit, and then they gave up fifty-one points in Santa Clara. So yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I, you know, the Packers might not be as good as the Forty ers right now, but their offense definitely, I think, has the potential to you know, be better than the 49ers offense and, and really do some damage. Devontae Adams is back in the fold now. So this this really is more of a bounce back spot. Uh, that's my angle. This next game, the Rams at the Steelers, is really the Lee Murray Bowl. As Lee predicted the Rams before the season to not have double-digit wins and not make the playoffs. And he has been high on the Steelers ever since the Z-Sassants that, it, that has happened there. And uh, you know what? I'm going to represent him, and uh, I'm going to represent Lee Murray and go with the Steelers in a risky survivor at home. Yeah, I mean, as I was really what hot was the, on the uh, By the way, Tommy, just remind me the turnover battle. What uh, ended up happening there? Our, our bet? Or mm-hmm. Yeah, what? just what, you know, what happened there? Lee and, Lee and I have a bet uh, on nine wins now on the Steelers. Okay. No, but so, I was—I was just wanted you to recap the the Colt Steelers uh, turnover oh, prop. That the, was, yeah. The the turnover prop. Yeah. Did I? Oh, did I say that that Mason would be throwing picks? You said that the Steelers. Uh, you said that the Colts would uh, turn out more takeaways than the Steelers did, and Lee said that the Steelers would have more takeaways than the Colts. Do you have amnesia? Was I, I, I do have a little bit of an, it's selective amnesia, obviously. Uh, I think uh, I'm, I'm assuming that I was wrong. Because, I, I mean, here, here's what's up with the Steelers, man. Their defense is playing really good. Uh, they have a legitimate pass rush, a le- legitimate de- defense. TJ Watt um, is looking great. My preseason uh, sleeper pick for sacks leader at, at plus 5,500 on Bavada. He probably won't hit that, but the kid's having a hell of a year. Um, you should, you should uh, petition them. Kids having I a hell of a year, man. I mean, the, come on. The, kid, the kid is having a hell of a year. That being said, the Rams are off the bye. I'm going to continue to fade the Steelers. Um, Mason Rudolph isn't the answer. I don't. This offense, I think Jalen Ramsey is going to lock down Juju Smith Schuster and is going to make Mason uh, distribute the ball to other places. Uh, this is a the Ram, and, and speaking of teams that need to keep up, the Rams now with Seattle and San Francisco. I think this is a, a huge spot for them. They need to get a win. Coming off the bye, uh, I will be betting on them. They're at minus three and a half right now, I believe, in Pittsburgh. Um, if unless the only re- way I see the Steelers win this game is if the Steelers pass rush just completely boy kings Jared Goff, and he 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 turns into the boy king in front of our eyes, like San Francisco was able to do, and can't get it done in, in a hostile environment in uh, Pittsburgh. So I'm on the Rams. Um, no no specific prop bets that I have right now to make with you or. Uh, on a turnover battle here, but I, I think the Rams just are a better team, and McVay needs a bounce-back game. This team needs a bounce-back game, and I'm expecting it this weekend in Pittsburgh. Yeah, the the Steelers definitely are a team that, I, despite, I, I think they're fighting, though. I think you have to, to give them that, that credit as yeah. well. Uh, and, and like you said, this is big for the Rams' playoff hopes. They're on the outside looking in. Both Minnesota and Seattle are currently ahead of them. So they're in the hunt, as as they would say, and uh, just you know, just for the people at home, if you're keeping track, three turnovers last week for the Colts and two for the Steelers. So, just 
Well, if Brian Hoyer didn't throw a pick six on his, what, his second pass that he came in on? Yeah. He, th- he threw a touchdown and then dro- drove him down the field, or Marlon mm-hmm. Mack did maybe, and then threw a pick six to Minka. And, it, and as Lee likes to say, if uh, my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle. Yep, yeah, yeah, he, he does love to say that. I'll get the last laugh, though, when the Steelers are, are sitting at eight wins at the end of the year. This game is huge for, for that bet. If the Steelers win this game, they got a little bit of a cupcake uh, stretch coming up, so this is huge. I think this could be the, the bet. The bet might come down to this. So, go Rams. The Vikings go to the Cowboys. I'll let you take this one, Tommy. What's happening here? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm expecting the Cowboys to win. A little bit is, of that is due to the Kirk Cousins uh, primetime narrative, which could be just complete BS. But um, Thielen's not going to be there. Uh, Van Der Esch is in, which I think is huge for the defense, especially dealing with Dalvin Cook. The Cowboys, who started off slow against the Giants, are started to round into form. I thought Kellen Moore called a, a really good game. I mean, I just think the Cowboys play well at home in primetime. You know, we saw what they did to the Eagles. Obviously, there was a motivational edge there. But, I mean, I don't have extreme confidence in the Cowboys. Uh, but this is kind of, I don't want to say a coin flip, but it's I, I guess it's a little bit of a toss-up with, with my Cowboys bias into it. I think that they're... A better team that, you know, has proven to play – they've lost to, to to teams that are better than them throughout the year, and they were able to beat teams that were worse than them, um, you know, with the exception of that Jets game. So I'm just expecting the Cowboys to really have a, a sound, full game from a play-calling perspective, from an execution perspective, and beat a Vikings team that is playing really well right now despite losing to Kansas City last week. I think the Vikings – end up winning this one. I don't know. It's just a yeah. hunch I'd have. If I didn't already risk or su- risky survivor the Steelers, I would risky survivor the, the Vikings probably in a more rational pick. But mm-hmm. I think the Vikings have just been on a little bit of a roll and may just be a more complete team than the Cowboys. Maybe it's just because the Cowboys slip-ups, like the one against the Jets, are more recent in my mind than a Vikings slip-up against the Bears. The game is in Dallas. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I, again, it's just kind of just a hunch that I'm going off of. But... This should be a really, a really great game, and the Cowboys too need to win this one if they want to stay in the wild card hunt, or if it's yep. just going to be a two horse race between them and Philly, because Philly doesn't look that all too impressive. So no, not at all. This is another big game for both of these teams, not only as they go in the divisional race, but as they, as they are in the both of these teams are also in their respective wild card races. So it's a matchup of twos and. The, I would say this is this is kind of a must win for both teams if they want to stay in uh, the division potentially. But I mean, Definitely. anything happened. It's still somewhat early. There's a lot of football left to be played. Yeah. But this isn't and, one and, that you want to drop. Yeah, and if if Amari Cooper is out too, I don't know if I don't know if his he's been. Uh, I haven't got the notification yet from the score if if he's going to be in or not. But uh, I mean, that's going to be huge for their passing attack. So. I mean, I think this this Vikings defense, I think, isn't, you know, their secondary maybe isn't as strong as, as it's been. Um, I think they can get run on, as we saw last week with, with Kansas City. I mean, I think that they, but, you know, the Cowboys in their own right are susceptible too. I mean, they a guy like Dalvin Cook could really expose this run defense. They've really been weak in the trenches. I do want to shout out Michael Bennett, who I think has been really good, and it was a really smart move by the Cowboys uh, at the deadline to pick him up and get a little bit more of a rotation um, on that edge. But I'm just expecting the Cowboys, uh, like you said, Adam, the, both these teams really need to get a win, and the Cowboys need to step up to the plate, and, and Jason Garrett needs to prove his worth. He needs to continue to prove his worth despite being the coach there for, for 10 years now. 
Um, and they need to they need to beat a Vikings team that is at least at the very least on their level and quite possibly better than them. I am super excited that this Seahawks Niners rivalry is is back in the NFL. I really thought that. I mean, some of the peak NFL watching years in terms of my lifetime, honestly, have been the, those years when it was Harbaugh and Carroll going at it. Now it's Shanahan and still Carroll with with the Seattle Seahawks. This game I'm super excited for, and it's probably one of the first Monday night games of the year that has been uh, rightfully placed, I guess. The, the hype is real with this one finally, and it, it should just absolutely be a heavyweight battle. I really hope that it's a close game to, and that it comes down to then, and that's exactly what I expect. And I'm just going to roll with who the better quarterback has been this year, and that's Russell Wilson. Jimmy Garoppolo had a, had a nice game against the Cardinals, but it's not like they have a ferocious defense. Seahawks also have liabilities in that secondary, but Quandre Diggs, I think, is going to be playing for this game. Um, so I'm going to roll with the Seahawks just because Jimmy G hasn't been overly impressive so far this year, and Russell Wilson is basically the reason the Seahawks are any good this year is kind of my rationale for this. But with 10 days to prepare, Shane Hansen at home watching that Seahawks game last week, I think that this, this could be one for the books. Yeah, I completely agree with you, man. Um, I definitely, I, I, I'm kind of starting to formulate my opinion on it a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if it went either way. You're right. I, I completely understand your Russell Wilson angle, and I think it definitely, I mean, he's been unbelievable this year. He's the MVP in my books. Um, but I just think the 49ers are a better coach team. Their defense, the way that it's playing right now. The Seahawks' defense on the other end, I think, is is really bad, especially in the secondary. And I think, despite the fact that Garoppolo hasn't been great this year, uh, Manuel Sanders has fit in nice uh, since he's since he's been there and has really given them a, a number one receiver. Um, and you know, I think the 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 burden of this game is going to be on Russell Wilson's shoulder. He's going to have to carry this team to a win, like he's done so many times this year. But I think this just might be a little too much for for the Seahawks team. They're going up against a team that I think is better than them, a, a opposing coach who's, who's calling better game plan uh, on both sides. Robert Sala, too, shout out him as a defensive coordinator. This, the 49ers really, I think, are just firing on on all cylinders right now. Um, but I completely agree with you. It's going to be one for the ages, but I'm just leaning 49ers right now as I think they just have more positives in, in uh, their arsenal. Robert Sala maybe a Lions head coaching candidate come next year? Oh, I would love it. He's from Dearborn, baby. I know. Let's bring him in. Seriously. God, wouldn't that be something? All right, well, that is is week 10. Tommy, do you have a parlay of the week? I am officially done betting for the year, but... You, oh, you are? Yeah, I mean, I'm I, out of money. I'm, I've, got, I've, I've got a couple funds left. I sent this parlay. Um, this is a Klepian parlay. Six-teamer. Kansas City, Green Bay, Rams, Bills, Lions, Saints. 15 for $213. You can up your ante if you want, depending on your bankroll. Um, I guess I, I'm looking at some other things. I like the Chiefs. I like the Bills. Um, I do like the Rams as well. Uh, so I also I also like the over in the uh, the Seahawks 49ers game. So there's a couple angles. You you guys can all look at my Twitter account. I'll I'll be putting out my uh, my plays. I already put out a, a six leg teaser. I'm in I'm in the uh, the funds building phase. So. Can't really afford to, to throw one out on a game that I really like. I'm going to have to make a couple of diversified plays and, and build that bankroll back up, baby. Well, uh, for the people at home, what's what's your at? What's your handle? At Tommy G. Murray. G as in gangster. 
G, G as in the coldest to ever do it. The LS, I, LSU recruit. Amen. <laughs> amen. You know that. All right. Well, it, it was a pleasure doing this uh, mano y mano with you. Uh, definitely looking forward to, uh, to a good slate this weekend, and we'll, we'll see how our picks do next week. Oh yeah, and we're uh, we might be due for a uh, midseason review, bringing Connor Ryan. We might. We kind of missed with the week eight midseason window, but maybe a uh, three fourth season review. It, it, I would love nothing more than than to bring the doctor in. You know he's gonna he's gonna mess up the format, so we're gonna have to allocate a little time to, to explain to him how the episode's gonna go. Yeah, down. Mm-hmm. that that would be great. It's all right. It, it's a labor of love. Oh yes, it is indeed. All right, Kleppa, Q stay scheming.